get into this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thought Shared Souls Baird. I am Katie. And I'm Jill. And today we're going to be uh, discussing underrated musicals. But before we get into that, we have uh, quite a bit of Broadway news to bring you. This week has been weirdly um, busy in terms of Broadway, which we should first mention um, over the weekend, this past, this comes out Monday. So it was, at this point, it'll have been like a week and a half for you. But the last time we recorded, we didn't know who the new president was going to be. I mean, we knew, but we didn't know who the new president was going to be. I had faith. faith. We had faith. (laughs) But this is the first time we're recording since uh, it was officially announced. And he just won Arizona, too. So. Yes, he just he won. officially won Georgia, so... He did. It's been... Has it been called? It's They're doing recounts now, aren't they? It was just called, um, like, 30 minutes ago, I saw it. <gasps> I need to see this. I don't know if that was, like, official, official, but I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> so I heard they're doing good, recounts. A good amount of news. Yeah. Obviously, Jill and... Oh, yep, there it is. 306 to 232 on New York Times. I've been going off New York Times the entire time. But yes, Jill and I are very excited. Yeah, I've been doing New York Times and Associated Press. Jill and I are very excited that Joe Biden will be the new president of the United States. Um, Obviously, work's not done. We still have to push for more progressive policies. But this is a step in the right direction. After quick, quick note, if you are in the state of Georgia and you turn 18 by January 5th, you are still eligible to vote in the runoff election. So please make sure that you are registered if you are going to be 18 by January 5th. Yes, please, please, please um, get things back into work in order in this country. Because let's not let him be the majority anymore. I'm so sick of it. We cannot have Mitch McConnell determining the future of this and country. I'm ashamed that I am from Kentucky. Yes, but the I thing is, you did not vote elected. for him. I did not vote for him. Not at all. I swear Good. to God. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's what's necessary. Yes. <laughs> you did your part. But yes, we are very excited about this. Um, we're having people who care about the arts back in the White House, back in the government, which is what we need, especially now, because obviously the arts are exponentially affected by this pandemic. And uh, so this is a step in the right direction. We have hope, we have faith, and it's it's looking like things might start to turn around. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I'm um, going to the inauguration, so we'll see what You are? I am. My friend um, from Vegas is actually planning on booking a flight, and we're going to get an Airbnb um, in Northern Virginia. So I'm going to drive out, and I'm going to meet her, and we're going to go to the inauguration together. Hopefully, it'll work out, and we can. I'm really excited. If not, I'm going to force my roommate to go with me so I can stay with her family, and I'll just go and meet up with someone. (laughs) (laughs) I would kill to go to the inauguration, but... Like, it's always like, oh, you've got to email your senators. Guess what? My senator is becoming the vice president, so. Right. right. I could, I could, I could email Diane Feinstein, but uh, I don't know how far I'd get with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, my senator, Kamala Harris, is going to be the first female vice president of the United States, first person of color as vice president of the United States. I'm very, very excited. Obviously, 
we have some, we have our own opinions of her, but it's very exciting that things are stepping into the right direction. Yes, obviously but, we aren't like wholeheartedly like these people are nothing else. Like we no. definitely have, <laughs> we definitely we are aware of the issues with the two people who are going to be put in office, but we're excited for the future and what it holds for what's to come. Yes, absolutely. F- step in the right direction. Yes. Um, but so that's, that's, that's country news. That's world news. Let's see what's going on in Broadway. So I think something that really, really um, shocked me is that apparently NBC is going through with a live musical this year. I don't want to discuss it, that. <laughs> we have to. It's The I... Grinch starring Matthew Morrison as said Grinch. If and it's the musical version. Me. Yes. If you've ever met me, you know that I prefer a Fox live musical. Um, because I really? say um, Grease Live is the best live musical to ever hit, hit television in the last. I agree with that. Grease Live was the best one to happen. The Wiz was not bad, though. I will say that. I loved The Wiz Live. I think it was pretty good considering it was still not great but it was pretty good considering the other NBC live musicals that had happened um but I don't know what compelled NBC to do this because I said on my own social media no one really asked for this but NBC did it anyway and here's the thing is they did it after there was the whole like snafu with rent where everyone was like this is never gonna happen again yeah and then I feel like something did something come out between rent and this has there been not anything that know, not that I can remember no because well what happened with rent I have my own opinions of it because I think that despite what happened with it I still enjoyed it I'm gonna say that right now I still enjoyed rent live despite you know all the issues with it um because and rent was uh fox not nbc too oh it was so like yeah um but i had i liked rent because i think that the cast was so so good i think that like that cast was so well i think it was perfectly cast i do think it it was was perfectly cast. cast and i really enjoyed it and i think that it they could have done it as a concert, you know, like how a lot of people were saying it should have just been like music stands in a concert, like how, you know, it was first originally done after Jonathan Larson's death. But I will say that I liked it. I liked Rent Life. I don't care if that's unpopular. I had fun watching it. I had a couple friends that I know that were at that dress rehearsal when that, oh, when, really? uh, yeah, when, um, oh, what's his name? Brennan, Brennan Hunt, Brennan Hunt uh, broke his ankle. Or his yeah. foot, or whatever and I will happened. I say this too. I was so irritated with the amount of people on social media blaming him. That made me so angry. I was like, guys, that stuff happens. I'm sorry, but it happens. People break bones. Things like that happen in a dress rehearsal. There's not really much you can do. And everyone was like, well, they should have had like an understudy. But it's like you're doing the show once you don't expect to need an understudy exactly it's not like from a producer standpoint that's not necessary when going into casting for something like this especially as big of a scale as it is and so i think that what happened happened and i think that it was fine i didn't i think that the audience needed to chill out a little bit but other than that i thought it was fun to watch i thought that the audience overpowered the singers a lot of the time but i so 
yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it. Rent is a show that um, means a lot to me as it was part of my formative theater uh, education, my poster, which if you're watching the, the YouTube version, I've got a poster right behind me. It is oh, 11 years old, almost 12 years old. Um, girl. girl, yeah, I know. <laughs> me. It's how long ago it was when I saw it. I was a ch- oh, yeah. I definitely saw Rent when I was too young. I, I experienced Rent when I was not emotionally mature enough to see it. Um, I was 13. My, my, like, like I knew what was going on. I kind of could understand it, but I, it would have meant a lot more if I had seen it at like an older age when I could understand more of what goes into it. Doesn't mean I didn't love it. Still loved it. Um, but anyway, so they're making the Grinch live and Matthew Morrison is going to be the Grinch and sure, that's fine. However, Boo Boo Stewart is going to be young Max. And I think that is perfection. I I think that is perfect casting. I think he is adorable. Like, I love watching Boo Boo Stewart do anything. Like, I, every time I watch Descendants, I'm just like, my eyes are immediately drawn to him. Like, I love watching him. He is so good. I'm very excited. Because obviously I'm I'm going to watch it. I'm not a fan of Matthew Morrison. I'm going to say that. I don't. I'm indifferent towards him. I truly as don't care. Who, as someone who grew up with like Glee and everything, I, I so did I. Him and most of my, I loved him in my childhood. I thought he was the greatest thing on the planet. But it's like the same thing I felt about Neil Patrick Harris when I was younger and watching How I Met Your Mother. And I was like, oh my God, Neil Patrick Harris is the most incredible person on the planet. And now as an adult, I've learned things about both of those people. And I've learned a lot of things about Matthew Morrison. I'm not a fan of him. I think that he is very uncomfortable. He makes me very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> And I don't see how he's going to pull off the Grinch because I don't think he's animated enough to play the Grinch. I think that that well, is a very particular role. And I think that he's like succeeding Patrick Page and Jim Carrey and Gavin Lee. And I think that's like an insane shoe to fill. <laughs> for so fun fact, I saw the Grinch, the musical version of the Grinch, Oh God, um, uh, actually probably 11 years ago. I think it was 2000, yeah, it was 2009. And John Larroquette was my Grinch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he he kind of had that like dry kind of, he, it, I think it worked for him because it was more like, like the cartoon type rather than as animated physically like Jim Carrey is so I think it worked and then literally like two years later three years later uh John Larroquette won a (laughs) won a Tony for how to succeed so you know yeah I just like I also I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen the musical Grinch like I don't remember seeing it if I did I honestly don't know um, but like, I mean, I grew up with the movie with both of the movies. I don't like the cartoon movie. But okay, okay, okay. I good. I'm I'm so glad I'm not the only person who feels this way. I don't yeah. like the Grinch. I don't like this. I don't care for the story. The cartoon drawings make me uncomfy. I yeah. do not like the Grinch. I'm not a fan of like anything, Doctor Susie. I do think Cat in the Hat. My mom hates Doctor Susie. <laughs> it's like I'm fine with the 
stories I'm fine with the books but do not put it in a cartoon form I feel the same way about peanuts I will not watch anything peanuts related it bothers I don't know why it just bothers me I don't know it depends on what it is though like I'm very picky about like what peanuts like movies Charlie Brown no get it out of me Charlie Brown Christmas no that's the only one I really watch I don't really like any of the other ones I don't know I just, there's something about it. I'm just like, I don't like this. I think it's because they were drawn in that same time. And this might be me just speaking out of my ass right now, but (laughs) it it almost feels unfinished. Like they were rushing Mm. to get it done. It kind of like, kind of like how um, the Disney movies, Robin Hood and 100, 101 Dalmatians and older than yeah well not the Grinch the Grinch is way old too that's well you know how it's like it just feels rushed and not complete finished I love I love Robin Hood (laughs) I loved I loved Robin Hood when I was a kid too but now I can't watch it it just looks so bad to me it's like the same reason why I can't watch the original Toy Story uh it looks so unfinished it bothers me I'm just not a Toy Story fan I like Toy Story 2 and I love Toy I love Story 3. I love the second one. I love the second one. The second, the one's second one's Jesse's in it. Yeah, Jesse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Toy Story 4. Oh, Toy Story 4? Unnecessary. <laughs> Not necessary. I was like, I was Toy Story 3 wrapped up in such a nice bow. It right. Picked, and then they were like, oh, you know, we'll only come back if there's a story that needs to be told. I'm like, that's a story that needed to be told? You could have done shorts, like what they do with, like, Frozen. Like, you could have done, like, mm-hmm. little shorts, like, with Olaf and stuff. You could do it with, like, Bonnie and the toys. And, like, you could have introduced Forky in a short film. Yeah, I do like but, Forky, though. I think that I... was the best part of that movie. <laughs> oh, my God, I loved him. <laughs> Trash! I was like, he was written for, like, people our age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's so our humor. It's so awful. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> That like that like end of millennial beginning of Gen Z kind of humor that like yeah. ten that ten year period where no one really knows what's going on. It's like Olaf and Frozen too. Like it's the same yes. humor as Olaf and Frozen too. Because I didn't like Olaf in the first Frozen, but then Frozen two came out and he got on that screen and I was like, this is the man I'm rooting for. In this movie. He became so self aware. I loved it, but like I um. Evan and I were laughing because we were talking about how we were never going to watch, we weren't going to watch the live action Lion King. We had no interest in watching the live action Aladdin. We had no interest in watching Toy Story 4. And then one night we watched all three <laughs> and hated all of them. <laughs> oh my God. See, I haven't seen, I don't care. I don't watch any of the live action um, like remakes that Disney does. I saw, I saw Cinderella in theaters didn't care for it i saw i don't i don't well okay i'm not the biggest cinderella fan i'm not you no but like that's the thing is a lot of my friends aren't either but then they saw that one and they're like oh my god this is the greatest thing that's ever happened maybe i need to rewatch it but i just i truly didn't care i don't like i don't like an abundance of cgi so when everything the least amount though out of the other ones maybe but it's still so heavy and like and then (laughs) <laughs> and then seeing um, Beauty and the Beast, it was oh. the most visually repulsive thing I've ever seen in my I life. I hated that one. Absolutely. And then I, like everyone was all hot and bothered over um, whether or not Emma Stone could sing. That's not even something I even clocked. I was so. Emma Watson. 
what did I say? Emma Stone. <laughs> oh, Emma Watson. <laughs> I was like, there's so many Emmas. I, everybody was so hot and bothered over whether or not Emma Watson could sing. And I didn't even think about it because of how disgusting everything looked. Like I walked out of that theater after seeing the live action Beauty and the Beast. And I said, the best part is the same thing I feel is the best part of all the original Beauty and the Beast stuff is Gaston. And I stand by that. I don't care about anything. <laughs> I love Gaston. I love a villain. Like, that's what it is, is. I love a good villain. And Gaston is one of the greatest villains <laughs> in all of Disney because he is exactly what you don't want in a man. And he lets it be known that he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. So I think good. I think Gaston's the 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 way that he is written is brilliant. However, Cruella de Vil is the best villain in all of Disney history because I can't again can't watch Hundred One Dalmatians. Can't watch. Um, Have you seen the live action one though with Glenn Close? Yes, years ago. She's so good. <laughs> um, I I tr- there's parts that I just I cannot watch. Um. Uh, but there's, there's, um, oh my God, just like I can't watch, because I had nightmares when I was a kid with Lady and the Tramp. Those Siamese cats terrified me. (laughs) That's valid. And even now, however many years later, 21 years later, I still can't watch it. Really? Yeah. It's just those things, you know, those things, just like I can't listen to songs. Um, there are some songs that I, I cannot listen to. One of them is the, um, and if that mockingbird don't sing that song, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have breakdowns every time I heard that song. It Fun still fact, is a song. I can't listen to most of Bruno Mars's early discography. Oh, why? Because it reminds me of middle school. I had a lot of issues in middle school (laughs) and I don't know what it is but like a lot of his earlier music I can listen to it if it's like covers but if it's like Bruno Mars singing like Grenade or something I literally will have a panic attack oh my god I don't know what it is there's just something about it there's a lot of music from like that era though that like I just can't listen to because of that reason but the Bruno Mars is one that hits different I don't know what it is but I love Bruno Mars's new music, though. I love all his other stuff. Just not. I saw Bruno Mars in concert right after I graduated high school. Really? I've heard he's yeah. really good because my friend was obsessed. Oh, that concert was great. Saw him. Yeah, yeah, she saw him. She loved it. We should probably um, talk about Broadway games. Absolutely. But it's fine. <laughs> Again. Um, so another thing. They're doing the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year still. Yeah, they announced and that there's... months ago. And they yes. they're doing a hybrid. Yes. So what they're doing, what I think, what I read, what I understood from what I read is, so every year the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is broadcast on both CBS and NBC. Both of those show different musicals. So NBC performs in front, or the the musicals that are shown on NBC, they perform in front of the macy's on 34th street yeah whereas the ones on cbs they perform in their theaters but it's what i usually yes and so i think that like cbs version is what's going to be happening this year 
Yes. Correct? So, yeah. So what it is, is this is really funny because you mentioned that they, they do two different, like each one does different shows. In my house, we have the kitchen TV is one channel and the living room TV is another one. <laughs> so I don't miss anything. And I just uh, record them both. That too. Like we usually do that. So I love Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It is the highlight of my year. I love the parade. It's the only part of Thanksgiving I enjoy. <laughs> so I watch it every single year. I love it. And I have since I was a kid. It's just like my favorite thing. But I'm not too thrilled about this. I'm not too thrilled about this news. I'm going to be honest with you. I was excited that they were still going to be doing the parade. And I was like, as long as I can get my Broadway shows, that's fine. But the fact that three out of four of those shows have already performed and one of them has already performed twice kind of... Which one has performed twice? Mean Girls. Mean Girls performed twice? Mm-hmm. NBC one year, CBS the next. That's interesting. So the shows that are going to be- If I remember correctly, it, that's what I remember. But like, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. But the, And it's, I'm so we're, sure. we have Hamilton, Mean Girls, Jagged Little Pill, and Ain't Too Proud. Yes. The only one that's from the season is, Jack- is Jagged Little Pill. All of these other shows opened- because Tina did Seasons last ago. year. Tina performed last year. Um, that's the other Oh, one. that's right. Yeah. Um, God. Yeah. And so. I thought you were talking about Tina Fey. It's like. Oh. <laughs> I was like, Tina Fey and Mean Girls performed last year? I do not remember yeah, this. Can you imagine, though? That would be so funny. I'm like, um, was she on a float? Was she just like lip syncing right. like on the camera? <laughs> what are you talking about? But like, I. Because you know my opinions about Hamilton. That's not what this is about. <laughs> this isn't about me not liking Jill isn't, the show. Jill isn't so the biggest fan of Hamilton. And it's fine. And I am. I am a giant fan I've of Hamilton. I've tried. I will say that. I have tried Hamilton. I enjoyed listening to it when I was in high school when it first came out. I really enjoyed listening to it. But then I just like kind of fell out of it and I didn't really care as much. I appreciate what it did for theater. I will say that. Um, but I there's a lot of issues within the show that I don't like. There's a lot of issues within the culture of the show that I don't like. There is a lot of just different things I don't like about it. Not a big fan. I've seen it a couple times on Disney Plus. I thought it was boring to watch. I'm gonna say that right now. I enjoyed most of the performances though. I just thought it was really boring. <laughs> um, but Me with Waitress. Which is valid because I do know a lot of people that feel the same way. Um, and I don't know like I that's not what this is about though it's not me just not liking the shows because I love Ain't Too Proud and I'm thrilled to watch it again like to watch their performance again but I just feel like having Mean Girls again and having Hamilton again is a little bit of overkill because usually the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is a way it's kind of like how the Tonys are it's like a way for you guys like for people to see the show and like get excited about coming to see it and it's like does Hamilton really need that and does Mean Girls really need that? Well, I think the reason that... Because Ain't it, Too Proud defo does. I'm going to say that. I feel like Ain't Too Proud needs it. Yeah, and I think people will love that it's Ain't Too Proud. Um, but the thing is, I think the one of the reasons Hamilton is doing it is because they did have it come out on Disney+. Plus. So right, it's kind of like a... I, that's my point, though. Like, that's what I'm saying is it's like... Well, know. it's easier for people to digest those shows especially Hamilton, because you can watch a pro shot of it. Um, because we don't know when Broadway's coming back. Right. And, and so you that's see their point is it's like you can watch Hamilton anytime you want. And you have 
that at your hands anytime you want until Broadway comes back. But it, then it's like shows like, I mean, Jagged Little Pill, I'm so excited that they're performing. I think that's great. I think that's a perfect idea because I love seeing performances that are more like the shows that are a little bit more stripped down and kind of don't really have like this huge stage set like piece to them. Um, I mean, granted, they're going to be performing in their theater, but mm-hmm. I always love seeing shows that are a little bit more stripped well, down. Even then, even then that show is still a little stripped down. Right. And so like, I love seeing performances from shows like that because it's so different. Like, cause usually you get shows like Lion King that perform and it's like this huge spectacle. And then you have like Jack Little Pill, which is like this stripped down show. And I think that's really interesting, but I don't know. I'm just, I will say I do like the variety that we're getting. Yeah, there is a good variety. Because and I think that it's going to suit all of the different um, tastes. Yeah. Like Mean Girls is very much like modern Broadway. Hamilton is the juggernaut. Jagged Little Pill gives you the jukebox musical without it being about Alanis Morissette. And then Ain't Too Proud gives you the story of The Temptations, which like everybody loves The Temptations. Yeah. So that's exciting. But, okay, so there's something else that I saw either today or yesterday. Okay, it must have been, like, yesterday. Ticketmaster is doing this new thing. Yes, I saw Where they have plans to check your vaccine status before you are able to go into a venue for a show. You have to be tested negative, and you have to do, like... Like, I'm pretty sure you have to do, like, daily check-ins. I think I saw that somewhere. I'm not sure where I saw it. But I remember seeing that somewhere on Facebook or Twitter on, like, an article saying that you had to do, like, daily check-ins for, like, a week up until the date of the concert or show or whatever you're saying through Ticketmaster. Okay, so this is from Billboard.com. Monday's news that the pharmaceutical company Pfizer's Early results on a new COVID-19 vaccine showed 90% efficacy rate on an initial clinical trial have given concert professionals hope that the business can start mounting a return in 2021. As part of that preparation, Ticketmaster has been working on a framework for post-pandemic fan safety that uses smartphones to verify fans' vaccination status or whether they've been tested negative for the coronavirus within a 24 to 72 hour window. Okay. Many of the many details of the plan, which is still in development phase, will rely on three separate components: the Ticketmax, the Ticketmaster, digital ticket app, third-party health information companies like Clear Health Pass or IBM's Digital Health Pass, and testing and vaccine distribution providers like LabCorp and the CVS Minute Clinic. So after you purchase a ticket for the concert, fans would need to verify that they have already been vaccinated, which would provide approximately one year of COVID-19 protection or test negative for coronavirus approximately 24 to 72 hours prior to the concert. So this is really interesting. I think this is fascinating. However, the idea of testing negative, I feel like, like obviously, this is a a tricky subject to even talk about because, you know, it's so world sweeping right now and vaccine, we don't know how vaccines are going to be available or whatnot. I'm assuming they're not going to start putting 
tickets for they're not going to start mounting productions of concerts or whatnot until there is a large number of vaccines available yeah but it comes down to you know we're gonna have to wait and see what this means and how this works because it still says it's in early development right and they're trying to get it pushed um I think by the end of the year, trying to get it pushed to be able to get it to distribute. They said like yeah. by the end of 2020, they want to have, is it FDA? Is, yeah, FDA. The FDA approval? Approval, yeah. Which is huge and that's great. for a lot of things. <laughs> like Yeah, absolutely. A lot of things. Absolutely. But I just, I thought that was so interesting. And I, that's not something that I would have Actually, no, it is something I thought about like way back at the beginning of the pandemic, but it isn't something I've thought about because in my head, I assumed live entertainment wasn't going to come back until 70% of Americans are vaccinated or however many Mm -hmm. until the cases drastically drop because of a vaccine. So I just assumed it would just wouldn't come back. But if you're coming and saying that, you know, you have to get tested, you have to get vaccines. I think it's interesting. And obviously there's a lot that goes into that, but I think that the fact that these companies are thinking about this and and are putting plans into place is a great step. Obviously these companies are not making any money right now. Right. Which... My thing is, um, my thing is, it's right now it's just Ticketmaster that's put that in place. But I do know, and I don't use Ticketmaster as much because I go in for a ticket that costs one hundred and fifty dollars, and I end up spending almost three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is, like, they can't possibly have. I don't want to like assume their business model, but like they charge so much in fees <laughs> that who knows how much they had banked away right and so as of right now it's just Ticketmaster that's put out an official statement about it but I do know that like a lot of Broadway people like a lot of people in the theater industry alone have said like you know there's no way that this is coming back until there's a vaccine so I do know that there is a lot of discussion in the theater industry about the vaccine being necessary Mm -hmm. to even think about reopening which is very important I think that that is so crucial to the idea of Broadway coming back. Like you have to have the vaccine in place and be readily available at, at, to anybody in order yeah. for it to happen. And I'm wondering if Telecharge is going to follow suit because Telecharge handles the the um, the ticket processing for I think Schubert theaters, whereas Ticketmaster handles for Niederleiter theaters. Yeah. And I think that and then you know, I'm not sure. Tickets, needing to yeah. put something in place and things like that. So today ticks and TDF and and even like the um the nonprofit theaters. I can't recall how Roundabout does it, and I don't know how um how oh god, who runs the Freedmen? How these nonprofit theaters do it. I don't know how Disney does it. I don't know. Disney, I believe, is through Ticketmaster. Is it? I'm pretty sure. And I, because, like, I know Disney on Ice is through Ticketmaster, so I would assume that, like, the, the other theatrical things are as well. 
And then um, I don't remember how uh, Vivian Beaumont does it through Lincoln Center. Oh, yeah. I don't, but um, I honestly, I honestly don't know. MTC, that's who runs the Freedmen, I think. Yeah, yeah, I believe. Um, so these nonprofit theaters that don't necessarily always go through, not that Disney's, Disney is not nonprofit, no. by the way. <laughs> no. Disney's not nonprofit. <laughs> but, but the American Airlines, uh, the Freedmen, the technically the Stephen Sondheim is run by. Um, uh roundabout then studio 54 and vivian beaumont those are all like the nonprofit theaters that are on broadway so we'll have to wait and see it's it's truly just a waiting game at this point yeah as we wait for vaccines to become readily available as cases skyrocket so but that's it's 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 good to see how that's being put in place. And then I'm just so curious as to how touring houses are going to do the same. Well, and I know that, um, like with Actors' Equity, they are absolutely pushing for a vaccine um, because I've been keeping up with them since the beginning of all of this because the whole scandal with um, Tootsie towards the beginning of the shutdown um or the tootsie national tour um oh i was like what happened with tootsie it hasn't been on broadway um, since <laughs> in, in quite some time um yeah oh, but i know about the tour they're a little yeah i know about the tour equity how they went from how they went from equity to oops sorry we cast you non-equity now bye and to equity literally well because equity forbid them <laughs> from doing the tour unless they were non-equity because equity was like we are not putting people in danger there is absolutely no way and they did that publicly (laughs) before telling Tootsie I believe from what I remember hearing is that they did it in a public press release basically banning Tootsie from being equity um but anyways I've been keeping up with actors the actors equity a lot since the beginning of the shutdown um so I do know that they've been pushing hugely for a vaccine. So, are they going to like require all the actors to be vaccinated in order to oh, most likely have I a job? Guarantee that. Oh yeah. I mean, you kind of would have to like, unless there was some reason you absolutely could not be, because I do know that that happens a lot. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no other way that you would be able to do it with how intense COVID is. So, yeah. Because you don't want to put the audience in danger. You don't want to put your musicians in danger. You don't want to put your fellow actors in danger or your stagehands. Anybody. We don't want to put anybody in danger. That's why Broadway will be the last thing to come back. Because it's truly a public health threat. Which sucks. I'm like, the minute I knew that this was serious was the minute Broadway shut down. And then I knew that nothing would be normal. Quote, unquote quotes because nothing's ever going to be normal again but I knew that I wouldn't be able to get back to my normal until Broadway opens again because that's when I know that things are going to be safer than they are now yeah so is there any other Broadway news that we skimmed over not that I can think of all right oh uh actually unfortunately um yesterday morning as we're recording this at the Winter Garden a stagehand fell to his ultimate death while taking down the Beetlejuice set. And it's, do we have a, do we have a name of who that is? 
And it and it's heartbreaking and it's awful, devastating, and uh, it, I I feel like so bad because last I looked, a name hadn't been released. Right. Um, I don't think so, but I do know that they're investigating it because okay, it was kind of a crazy situation. Um, but yeah okay but yeah we just wanted to acknowledge that that was a thing that happened and and do be as respectful as possible but yeah so that pretty much wraps up broadway news so today's main topic is underrated musicals there's some of my favorite musicals (laughs) absolutely Do you want to take it away? Sure. So I have a top five favorite musicals ever. Just not even like Broadway, just like in general favorite musicals. And that list is Company, Assassins, West Side Story, because I'm nothing if not consistent with my love for Sondheim. Um, Bandstand and Catch Me If You Can. (laughs) So (laughs) obviously my last two are like two of the most, in my opinion, underrated musicals ever um i love bandstand and and catch me if you can so so much um and i cannot for the life of me because when i was texting you about this i was like i want to go over like why they're so underrated like there's because i know that there's a reason for a lot of them like why they didn't get as much like hype as other shows but for the life of me for catch me if you can i can't figure it out like, I was racking my brain trying to figure out, I was Googling, like, anything. I could not. Why Catch Me If You Can is so underrated? Yeah, like, why it was. Well, so I can tell you right now. What? It's because it came out in the same year or in the same season as Book of Mormon. So it got completely swept under the table and everybody was only paying attention to Book of Mormon. Yes, uh, Norbert Leo Butts won for Best Lead Actor in a Musical. As he but, should have. Yeah. But. <laughs> People didn't care about Cactus Can. They it, it was the same thing that happened in 2016 with Hamilton. Nobody cared about one of the ones I'm gonna expl- uh, talk about. Nobody cared about a lot of the shows. They only wanted to see the giant musical that happened. And it's like, and with one of my favorites, Bandstand, in 2017, it got overshadowed by Dear Evan Hansen, and. I think that that's, I, I don't, I don't want to say ironic because it's not really ironic. It's just like, it's interesting to me because you have two very different shows, both about mental illness in their own way and just mental health in general in their own way. And I thought it was so interesting. Like, I think it's so interesting because like Dear Evan Hansen showcases all these different people with different mental illness or different ways of mental illness has impacted their lives. And then you, and it's set in modern day, um, mostly teenagers and mostly the stories of teenagers and their parents and that kind of thing. And then you have Bandstand, which is set post-World War II, like immediately after World War II, dealing with um, veterans, dealing with PTSD in their own ways that then lead on to other mental health issues, which is something that I care a lot about. Um, Bandstand really spoke to me for a lot of different reasons, um, but with Bandstand, I think it's so 
I think it isn't discussed enough considering it is the only theatrical production to ever be Got Your Six certified, which means that it is an accurate portrayal of what veterans go through post anything. So like with PTSD and everything. Um, and so I think it's just so interesting that that gets overshadowed by a lot of things. Like, I think that, that it's interesting that nobody discusses that. I, I'm about to make a claim that might be completely just nothing, but it's something that I am personally curious to see if this has anything to do with it. But the idea of Bandstand opening in early 2017, yeah. right after Trump was inaugurated, well, not right after, but like a couple months after, there was this whole, I don't want to say anti-America mentality, but there was yeah. this like, we don't feel right supporting something like that. Personally, I mean, yeah, well, it's, it is a known fact that after Biden was just elected, many more people felt comfortable putting an American flag in front of their house because for the past four years, it's felt tainted. I don't know if you saw that stuff too, but like I saw like on TikTok and Twitter and stuff, a lot of veterans felt more comfortable putting an American flag out when Biden won because they felt like there was finally someone who understood and who would work for them and who would actually help them with everything that they've been through. Yeah. And and that's something that I have definitely felt. I, I can't say that that's the one, one of the reasons why Bandstand I think isn't it, a six. I think it is. It, it's this weird, like, yes, we under, and that's, it's like, we understand World War II was like forever. I mean, obviously not forever ago. There are still mm-hmm. veterans who are living from it, but you know, we, uh, it was 2017 just felt a little, I mean, the past four years, it felt a little tainted in, in regards to anything that, because it feels too nationalistic and like you're supporting something like that, which isn't how it should be. Right. And like my whole thing with that is I, when a lot of people bring, because like I've seen that argument a lot and I get it. I really do because I struggled with that after Trump won. I really truly did. And I've never really been patriotic anyways. Fourth of July is one of my favorite holidays just because I think it's camp. Like I just, I think Fourth of July <laughs> it is. Camp Fourth of July is very time. camp. It is. And I love anything camp. So <laughs> I, um, I've never been very patriotic, but I, there are parts of me that I love America. I really truly do. And so I struggled a lot with things after Trump um, won the election in 2016. But I'm going to say right now, Bandstand made me feel so much better about human beings in this country. And I just, like, I had so much more faith in humanity after I saw Bandstand. And I and think I th- that needs to be discussed more. I agree. I think when it comes to World War II in general, it's truly the last time that the world really saw a undisputed evil Mm -hmm. that was 
it was more cut and dry. I mean, obviously there are so many nuances to World War II. Yeah. So much happened, but it was very much like one understood evil, allies versus Axis, defeat Axis, and then hooray. Right. That's putting it in the most simplest of ter- terms. Whereas, you know, Korea, Vietnam, the Cold War, everything in between is kind of been more about like not, it, it has been less cut and dry mm-hmm. and more people especially have been, Vietnam, especially yes, Vietnam. and more people have been less likely to support the government's decision on those things. Right. Whereas I feel like in World War II, all of America was like, yes, let's go, let's defeat. Whereas now it's like, hey, hold up a second. What's actually going on here? Right, for sure. And I feel like it's just like, because for me personally, Bandstand did a lot for me. <laughs> um, I Because I thought it was so interesting to see because like I don't know a lot about PTSD in war vets like I struggle with PTSD but it's for completely different things I'm not going to compare trauma because you know trauma is trauma and I feel like you're valid in any way that you deal with it and are treating it and everything um but it was interesting to see that the discussion that was being had about PTSD wasn't as cut and dry as most people have it it wasn't oh, you have PTSD, you just get nightmares sometimes. Mm-hmm. You just like get these flashes sometimes. Whereas PTSD is actually, you do have nightmares, you do get flashes, you do have those issues, but it leads to other mental health issues. Like you have characters who have OCD because of it. You have characters who have severe anxiety to the point of where the only way that can solve that is through alcoholism. You have characters who live and breathe in their passion because the only thing keeping them sane is their music, is, you know, all these different things. And I think that it was so interesting to see that because normally whenever you have a piece of media that shows PTSD, and especially war vets because no one discusses PTSD (laughs) about other things um, as much as they should, but you never really see PTSD and war vets being displayed in a way that feels right, that feels realistic and feels raw in any way. And I think Bandstand did it so well in every aspect of the show. And the fact that they honored a different veteran each performance and they still did that in the national tour. And I think that it's just like, I don't know, I just feel like Bandstand is so much better than people think it is. Absolutely. And what I think is also so amazing about uh, Jill and I, we, you and I have both seen Bandstand. It was my first Broadway show. Really? Mm -hmm. It was, so I saw it on my birthday in 2017, which was so exciting. Um, But something I I love about Bandstand also is it shows how the arts can help heal, obviously not completely heal, but can help put you like, like, like Jill said, focusing into a different direction, channeling your anxieties, your stressors into the arts, I think is something that it showed and that it did well. I also love that it was like the only original musical that season. 
it was right like it's just it was so good <laughs> and the whole thing with um channeling everything into the arts it also I grew up hyper fixating on things especially like artistically like with musicals and tv shows and movies and things and so I never felt like I was normal because of that like I never thought that that was a normal thing growing up people always thought I was like weird and insane for having hyper fixations and people still do but like honestly I don't even care anymore because I'm like this is the only thing getting me through life so like I'm gonna continue doing it and so after seeing Banston it kind of solidified for me that it's because of you know all of my anxiety it's because of my depression it's because of you know all these different things that I do that it's not just because oh because I have nothing else to do why not hyperfixate on this it's because it's the only thing that keeps me happy <laughs> Yeah, I did say it was the only original musical that year. Um, Dear Evan Hansen was original. Um, so that well, that was that was a giant slip I fully of the brain. Believed brain. Too. I was like, oh my god, yes, it was. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> well, because I was thinking about I because I was thinking about um, I was thinking about like Groundhog Day, Come From Away, Comet, War Paint. Right, I was thinking about everything right. else that wasn't Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> but yes, Dear Evan Hansen wasn't the the other original musical that season. Um, but something I do think that might have also contributed to it not being as popular as we would like it to be. It came out, 2016, okay, the 2015-2016 season had Hamilton in it. And that kind of, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, kind of destroyed Broadway for a second. Um, oh, absolutely. With, with people wanting to buy tickets to only Hamilton. Um, but then the next season we had obviously not as big of a juggernaut, but a rather big one in Dear Evan Hansen come out. Dear Evan Hansen was huge. And so so having those two back to back kind of took all of the attention. Right. And my whole thing with, and this is going to sound, I might sound like a, a whiny brat when I say this. So like, stop me if I do. But like, I, like whenever you were talking about how like post-2016 election, people really didn't want to like focus Lame. in on America. Like, America. Right. And so. It was embarrassing. But my argument is, is Hamilton was still just as popular. Okay. Here, Hamilton came out before the election though. But it was still just as popular post-election. But it, it, yes, I agree. But it kind of showed, okay, obviously there's more, it's more nuanced than this. And, and of course, atrocities happened in the formation of the United States. Yep. I'm not, I don't want to take away from that at all to all of the indigenous people of this land, to every person of color in this land, atrocities happened. However, with growing up in the American school system, you are taught so much about these figures and these founding fathers. Why am I putting quotes? They are literally called the founding fathers. but and so, anything. so I usually do it too. Like I'm like the founding fathers. What did you found? <laughs> like, well, they founded, they founded the, the, the government of this country. And truly. They didn't do a great job. <laughs> well, I mean, 
they did as best as they could for the for the time being it truly was anyway anyway but I think with Hamilton it was you were seeing how something who that was such in the eyes of the American school system this perfect thing the founding of this quote-unquote perfect nation or in order to form a more perfect nation you were seeing how it was just as flawed how the people could be just as flawed and I think that making them into real people is part of why Hamilton was so successful that mixed with the music mixed with the fact that it kind of exploded at the end of 2015 and the beginning of 2016 and it really put this like ah everybody's so excited and then around then is when Hillary got the nomination and we were so excited for what could happen obviously it didn't happen but I think that it it had such a build that it kind of kept going obviously now it's kind of died down because it's been five years but also personally I mean I know that you and I have different opinions on Hamilton but personally I just I love the show I think it's excellent I think the way it's structured I think the way it's written I think it's perfect and and so like I want to say I want to say this too I don't absolutely hate Hamilton (laughs) I just have my issues with it so I don't want anyone to think that like I hate it to the point of where I'm gonna like sit there and yell at people who love it so much because like I've discussed it with people who love it so much like I'm pretty sure I've discussed it with Katie like the reasons I don't like it I've seen it five times (laughs) right and so it's like you know I've discussed it with all these people who absolutely love it and so like I just have my own differing opinions about it and I know for a fact that like all of my friends who love it so much they understand it and they are like you know you're fully valid <laughs> in those yeah words. and I get it's it just, they're and fully valid in loving the show like I don't you know it's kind of just a personal thing yeah I mean I'll I, the first time I saw the show it was March of 2016 it was on Broadway uh at intermission I went apparent because for whatever reason and it's because they're so old in Broadway theaters there is one bathroom yeah. uh and so we I had to like run down and there was a woman, an older woman, who was like two or three people in front of me. And she was just turning back. She's like, you know what? It's just not for me. And I was like, uh, oh, oh, okay. You're a little nutty, but okay. And you know what? So be it. There are people who just, it's not, it's not for them. They like the classic. I think, I think another thing that, that really made me love it was the, um, references to to musical theater because I love that Lin-Manuel Miranda is such a theater nerd yeah I love that yeah and it, it was like one of us wrote this right rather I think yeah they, so I think also also I was such know, a giant in the heights fan that's in the heights yeah. was my everything is my everything I like just thinking about other reasons why Bansy may not have, may not be as popular as I want it to be. I was just thinking, um, it's definitely because I feel like this Bansy is very like Jill as a musical because I, as you know, clearly Catch Me If You Can is one of my favorite musicals. I love musicals that are musicals. 
like that are like in your face singing dancing doing all these things and they sound like musicals like I love that because that's what I grew up loving and so it's just been ingrained in me that like that's my favorite like that's the kind of musicals that I love like Catch Me If You Can is like so in your face and it's so like we're gonna do kick lines and we're gonna do like all these amazing dance sequences and like I love that I think that is so fun and it was also by the same people who did Hairspray right which I love (laughs) I love Hairspray and so like with Catch Me If You Can, I've never seen it in person. I need to preface this by saying that. I've never seen Catch Me If You Can in person. I was supposed to go <laughs> and see it at Arena Stage with Corbin Blue this fall, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, but I have never seen it in person. I have seen the bootleg, because I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't watch bootlegs. I'm a human being. I don't care. Um, if you're a cop, I don't watch bootlegs. But <laughs> I... <laughs> For the Actors' um, Equity Association, I do not watch bootlegs. I have never watched a bootleg in my life, if you... Whereas, I'm not gonna lie, I do not watch bootlegs. Personally, I don't. Right, which, and I get, like, I just, it's because where I grew up not being able to see shows, like, hardly at all, and because, like, where I'm from and everything, and, like, they're expensive, like, shows are expensive, and so... Where I didn't get to see shows for so long, and the only shows I really got to see were like community theater, children's theater, or which I still love. I'm not putting down any of that stuff because I think that stuff is so crucial in the arts in America. But mm-hmm. um, absolutely, legs are kind of something that I need, and it's also how often are you going to be able to see a show that ran for eight months with the original cast? You can't see that again. Like you, there's no possible way for that. So like, catch me if you can bootleg. I don't care. I'm going to go watch it. Like, it's an amazing That's, that's the exception I'll make. Like, yes. Like Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde I'll watch. I've seen the bootleg of How to Succeed in Business, I think, years ago. Um, But like, I think when I was younger, I watched them a lot more. Because as I've gotten older, I've been able to see them more. So, but when I was younger, I couldn't. So that's how I watched like Spring Awakening and mainly Spring and, and Next to Normal, like the Next to Normal um, off-Broadway version. That's how, like, and it's so still, it's still so cemented in my brain, the um, mm-hmm. growing up unstable and feeling electric and like all the, and Costco, all the songs that were cut, yeah. just like <laughs> solid in here. It's how much I watched it. Yes. Like, but, I, like that's like with Catch Me If You Can. I have the whole pre-Broadway run and the whole Broadway run in my head. I can perform it at a moment's notice. Not even joking you. I could do the whole of uh, Doctor's Orders on my own as a one-woman show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Catch Me If You Can is very much like, this is Broadway. Which I love because Jerry Mitchell gets me. I feel like I stand, Jerry Mitchell understands me. One day, one day, maybe like next week. If I were week. to meet Jerry Mitchell, we'd be like. <laughs> one day, maybe next week, uh, Jill and I, the next episode is probably going to be about our favorite directors. Because we for sure have some that we are like, yep, that's it. That's, that's the one. That's for us. Hint, hint, Jill is obsessed with Alex Timbers <laughs> beyond measure. <laughs> like, and, and I'm obsessed 
with uh, Michael Arden. I love Arden. Michael Arden. Uh, yeah, so Catch Me, yeah, Catch Me If You Can and Bandstand both got swept under the uh, under the rug between juggernaut musicals. Especially because, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Aaron Tveit didn't get nominated for a Tony that year, and that really bothers me. Very, very, very much bothers me. <laughs> he has a Tony no- he, He's going to win the Tony this year. Tony not now. <laughs> he, he's going to win the Tony this year. <laughs> I just much, love this. But like, it's, I'm such a one-track mind. <laughs> I just think it's so funny that, like, this the circumstances of him winning his tony are this <laughs> i like we've said before i don't think we've said it on here but we've texted about it he would not have gotten the nom if they didn't feel like he deserved it because yeah. like like we said with 1985 85, no one got nominated because they didn't feel like anyone deserved it and the fact that there were only two people eligible and he is the only one that got nominated speaks so much so i think that 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 says a lot too and i appreciate it yeah absolutely which is why he's gonna win (laughs) oh my gosh fingers crossed crossed. (laughs) have they announced a date yet no oh my god it's like i saw a tweet the other day i can't remember who tweeted it. it's like someone i it's just some. did the american theater wing just forget about it right like i'm like i have no idea but i saw someone on twitter i think it was yesterday i saw it actually and they were like you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if the Tony date gets announced the day of. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they just recycle. Like, right, because like, just... CBS is doing something in December that's like honoring theater. <laughs> and so we're all just like, okay, well, when in December? Because is it the Tonys? <laughs> Can someone tell me? what is happening and when is this happening like I need to like because I need that to be prepared I need to be prepared for like a full day of anxiety leading up to that evening or that afternoon or whenever the hell they do it the one good thing about it no to take my medicine (laughs) the one the one good thing about it for me is that I'll be able to watch it live (laughs) instead of a three-hour delay I've so never been on the East Coast. I forget about that. Like, I, and it's, and it's not available to live stream anywhere ever. Mm-hmm. Even if you even if you go on to like CBS and you like sign up for CBS All Access. I tried this last year. Sign up for CBS All Access. It still is just like, nope, sorry. That's a that's a sucks thing. to suck. You what have you to wait until do, it's eight o'clock. What you your time do is get a friend on the East Coast that has cable, and then log in to like something or well no because i guess sling would be like where you live but do something that way i don't know because i use my friend's cable login for a lot of things here's the thing we're not gonna have to worry about it when it when time comes because it's gonna be virtual so uh one good thing about 2020 is katie can watch the tonys live live. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh um yeah so should we talk about my uh underrated musical the one i go back to the one i go back to is bright star bright star got swept away under the um hamilton season it it is 
though such a gorgeous show mm-hmm. there's some like weird controversy not weird it, there's some racist controversy around the initial casting of it in which they said that um all characters were caucasian which bullshit um oh. <laughs> yeah uh because apparently everybody in Asheville was white not entirely true (laughs) yeah Mm, the south i don't think everyone is white anyway (laughs) and there's the thing is like there's nothing about that show that says these characters are white like not just like one thing that was just like the casting breakdown they were like all characters are caucasian and it's like what how why where in here yeah and it's so dumb because none of the characters need to be that's like, you say that, that reminds me of um, the Moulin Rouge casting call. It literally says, we don't care what you look like. <laughs> like, it literally <laughs> outright is like, we couldn't care less. Your, like, body type, your skin color, anything. We don't care. Just come and audition. <laughs> they, when, uh, <laughs> when Comet was uh, trying to get people to come be part of the Tony performance and just, like, sit mm-hmm. on the sides, they were like, the more eccentric, the better. <laughs> They li- like in it. They're like, we want eccentric. <laughs> like, we want eccentric looking people. Which I'm like, yeah, for comment, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, me, me shows up. Hi. Yeah. The exact opposite of eccentric. Um, that's so good. But yeah. Uh, so yes, Bright Star does have that disgusting history to that. The story itself has nothing to do with race so I don't understand why Caucasian was part of it it makes no sense uh but it is a gorgeous story beautiful score this the music in it written by Edie Brickell and Steve Martin Mm -hmm. amazing is is so it's the kind of music that I prefer I don't it's folk and it's like is it like fish kind of music Almost, but a little more, um, more a little more, a little more twangy. Absolutely. It's, it's not so much, this is Broadway as it is like, and it's because Edie Burkell is a, is a songwriter in her own right. Like Mm -hmm. she is her, it's not like where Andrew Lippa writes for the stage. Edie Burkell is her own person. Kind of like, think, think how waitress is and how Sarah Bareilles is her own songwriter that but put in with like bluegrass right do you know what I mean yeah where the songs are more like, waitress is very the music in waitress is very singer songwriter yes and that's and that's because how... it's Sarah Bareilles mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas like with like Bright Star it's kind of singer songwriter meets folk yes and bluegrass yeah. because Steve Martin um right, obviously which I love Steve Martin. He's great. He's amazing. He's also... I watched Cheaper by the Dozen last week, and I was like, God, I love this movie. I was like, I love Steve Martin. Our, our generation's first introduction to Steve Martin, yeah. Cheaper by the Dozen. <laughs> and, like, Pete Panther. That, like, we used to watch it in the car on, the, like, on road trips. We used to watch Cheaper by the Dozen. Me and my sisters did. <laughs> it's a great show. It's a great movie. It's so good. It's so good. It's a great movie. Um, but... My dad would kill me if he heard me say that my first introduction to Steve Martin was Steve Martin. Like, I'm sure he showed me something else as a kid. Well, just like my first introduction to Eugene Levy was Steve Martin doesn't too. Was it really? 
Mm-hmm. I forget he was even in that. Oh my yeah. god. Oh, uh, a lot of my first introductions, just like my first introduction to Eddie Murphy was Daddy Daycare. Like okay, yeah. these are my first introductions to these people are when they did children's movies like for their kids. I mean, obviously yeah. Steve Martin didn't have any kids <laughs> at that point, but it's like when these people make kids movies for their kids, that's my first introduction to them. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway Bright Star, it's, it's, it's the story that takes place in two time periods. So you have Alice and you have her at like 16 and then you have her at like 36. And she she goes back and forth and she's this successful publisher at 36. But at 16, she had a little kid. Kid got taken from her by not only her father, but her boyfriend's parents also. Whole thing. She, uh, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's very, very, sad but not at the same time because it's sad but then it gets heartwarming heartfelt uh but the music in it I I always return to the music in it because it is very so I'm not a huge like country fan and the music isn't country but it's like bluegrass and and folk and it's it kind of has that same this is Broadway, but it's not feel that once has, that, you know, even Waitress has, that the band's visit has, where they are, (laughs) the band's visit is phenomenal. And it's, it's truly one of my favorite shows. I think it's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And when I saw it, I saw it twice. I saw Carmen Cusack in the role of Alice and it, I have never seen a performer be so commanding and so absolutely 100% into a character. She was not to sound like I'm making some sort of like reference, but she was the brightest star on that stage. She was a star in that role. And I think about her performance constantly. And the fact that that was her Broadway debut. Is that like how I feel about Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge? Probably. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably. I have never seen a person command a stage like I've seen her command a stage. She was perfect. And it's probably because she had been doing it for so long and she was doing it on Broadway and then she was doing it I don't know if she did the whole tour but she definitely was in LA and I didn't know she did that like I didn't know mm-hmm. she did like outside of Broadway that's neat yeah uh <laughs> I remember that when I went to see it with my mother on Halloween it was 2017 the Dodgers were playing the Houston trash rows <laughs> the Houston asterisks in LA so we were two miles away from Dodger Stadium yeah. and and uh and my we were we were on like the end of the aisle and my mom like from time to time she'd be like she'd take out her phone just to check the score <laughs> the game <laughs> LA thing I've ever heard of my life Katie. but it 
it wasn't just my mom. There was like a dad and a daughter in front of us and the dad was doing the same thing. <laughs> oh my God. I'd be lying if I said that like, I haven't had the impulse to do that during a Yankees game. <laughs> I would absolutely be lying if I said I hadn't had that impulse. I never have just, done it though, but I have had the impulse to do it before. It was just like, I'm at the theater, but also baseball. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time the Dodgers have made it to the World Series in like forever. Right. And they should have won that year. They, they should have won that year yeah, because absolutely. the Houston trash throws, the Houston cheaters cheated. Oh my God. Okay. Side tangent. When the Dodgers won the World Series and then the commissioner of Major League Baseball came out to like give them the World Series trophy two weeks ago or whenever it was, dude got booed so hard. And they, and they were in, they were in um, Texas too. Like, and it was full of Dodger fans. Like, I don't know if any, I'm sure there were some Tampa fans, but oh, dude got booed. Wow. I love, it's so funny because like whenever, um, this is going to sound so stupid. I was going to Bed Bath & Beyond one day. This was like a couple months ago. Like I was looking for a new body pillow and I needed to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. And I was wearing my Yankees jersey, my judge jersey. And this was when I was back home in Kentucky. And some guy like booed at me from the parking lot of Bed Bath and Beyond because I was wearing a Yankees jersey and I turned around. Do you know what he was wearing? What? He was wearing an Astros t-shirt. And so I said, I bet you cheat on your wife too because his wife was with him. I said that. <laughs> no. And then I ran into Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> How embarrassing to be an Astros fan. How embarrassing to be an Astros fan and have the audacity to boo at someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I was so stressed and I was like texting my sister. I was like, you won't believe what just happened to me. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Where was this? Was this in Virginia or Kentucky? This was in Lexington, Kentucky. (laughs) Home of Walker Bueller, the only Dodgers pitcher I trust. Yeah, home home of a lot of... um, basketball players people probably know katie and i've talked about that too yeah <laughs> a lot of them are the ones that she knows as lo- as much as jill and i love broadway we also love baseball i love and uh <laughs> and uh <laughs> weirdly a lot of people come out of the south and come out of kentucky and well because just... kentucky's big with um basketball with sports in general yeah Fun but stuff. oh my god but yeah, so that was my story with Bright Star. I ended up actually seeing it twice in one week because, <laughs> fun fact, so the same time that Bright Star was in LA, Musical Theater West was doing a production of In the Heights um, at Cal State Long Beach. And my friend Olivia, who, to a circle of back to baseball, she was working, she was interning for the Dodgers in the postseason. Yeah. So she was there for game seven when oh, she was, oh, I have to, I'm going to have to ask her about that one day. She'd be like, Hey, how did you hear the, did you hear the garbage cans banging? <laughs> I want I have so many questions to ask I her. Love I need to know these answers anyway. So she, but she is a big fan of 
um, not as big of a fan as you and I are of Broadway, but she is a fan of Broadway. And so she was a big fan of Hamilton and she wanted to see In the Heights. So I said, oh, let's go see In the Heights. We haven't seen each other in forever. Let's go see In the Heights. So <laughs> I drove from my house to Covina to Long Beach, back to Covina. And then I think I picked my friend up at the train station in Covina. And then I went right back out to LA and and then I saw, so I saw two shows in one day and I just like, was like bouncing around LA County. I'm like, all right, Covina, Long Beach, Covina, <laughs> downtown LA. And it was, it was great. It was fun. I, I love, love a two that. show day. <laughs> love I a two love show that. day. Love getting to That's on my bucket day. list is to do a two show day. That's on my bucket list. I want to do it. I've done it far too, not far too many times. I think I've it's, done it. I think it's going to happen when Broadway reopens. I think that that'll be my best opportunity to do it. Cause I feel like that'll just make me the happiest woman on the planet is like the first day that I get to like see a show again. I'm just gonna see two in one day. You haven't? Huh. I would have thought that you would have when you were in New York. I thought that you would have when you were in New York last summer. Last summer, all I saw was Waitress and Moulin Rouge. Really? Um, yeah, we were going to see, it was funny, my friend almost, and this is such a stupid story, but it makes me laugh every time I think about it. We were at Broadway and Bryant Park. It was like our second to last day in the city. And this was my best friend's first time in New York City, her first time like seeing shows, like all that stuff. So it was super fun. And um, we were at Broadway and Bryant Park the day that Pretty Woman was performing because I wanted to see the Pretty Woman performance because I love Pretty Woman. And Brendan Hunt was going to be performing with um, Jillian Miller because they were the replacement, um, Vivian and Edward. Jillian uh, Mueller, I saw her as Vivian after Samantha Parks ran off stage to puke. <laughs> Which is one of the stories and replaced. that Katie has. I love that story. I have so, I, I've seen so much, I'm so blessed to have seen so much theater that I've seen weird stuff happen, but yeah. only within like the last two years. <laughs> Which I think is so funny. Um, but we were at Broadway and Brian Park sweating our asses off. <laughs> it was so hot. And um, we get like halfway into one of the songs and my friend next to me I'm like recording the performance and my friend goes hey um I'm gonna get two tickets to tonight's show and I was like what and she was like yeah because like they're super cheap like she's like I got I found like really cheap tickets or because she's seat she's like let's just go see it and I had already seen Pretty Woman with my mom um that past Thanksgiving and which was the best we had the most fun at that show like I had such a blast at that show I can't say the same like, I was like, what are you talking? I was like, I'm broke. I can't afford another show. And she's like, I'll pay for it. She's like, it's fine. We'll just, we'll just go. And I was like, what are you saying? Like she was, we never do this. Like we never are impulsive about something like that ever. And so I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, look, you can get tickets for like $65 a piece orchestra seats. Like they're super good. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, why are we doing this? And I was like, if you want to spend your money on it, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to complain. Like, I'm not going to be mad about it. And then, like, she put them all, and it was through Ticketmaster. So <laughs> she had put it all in there. And then she goes, wait, I forgot that this is Ticketmaster. We're not going. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. so hard because, like, in the recordings that I took <laughs> of the performance, you can hear us talking about it. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite things on the planet because like I'll look back at those videos and I'm like oh there's Mary Beth almost impulse buying tickets to Pretty Woman that very night 
When I, I went to Broadway and Bryan Park when I was in New York last summer too. And it was, I, I really scored with like who was performing. Cause it was the cast of Come From Away, the greatest show to ever exist ever. Uh, Beetlejuice. Oh, that's good. Chicago. Shoshana Bean at, in Waitress. Jersey Boys. I can't remember who else was there. I think that mm, I don't remember how many shows were there. But yeah, so that I was Broadway and Bryant Park. The day I was there, no, no. Those were Brian. That was Broadway and Bryant Park. But it was raining that day, Ooh. and so or it was like it was kind of like off and on rain. It was like yeah. drizzly. It was it was, it was wet. Really outside. rainy last summer. It was really really rainy last summer. Yeah, it was wet out, so we couldn't go on the the lawn. So everybody was just mm-hmm. on the sidewalk, and that was cramped and crowded. And I still cried during. Um, me in the sky because that song will make me cry I was like it was so funny because I love Brendan Hunt I think he's such an interesting voice like I just I love listening to him sing like I love listening to the rent live like recording because I just I love his voice there's something about it. I'm just obsessed with it and so whenever I found out he was in the replacement cast I got super excited I think that was part of the reason that my friend almost impulse bought the tickets is because she knew how much I love Brendan Hunt and his voice and everything and I feel like his voice is just very suited for Edward and Pretty Woman I think that him and Andy Carl are very similar in that like both of them were just perfectly cast for it um but I told her like after we left and everything I was like I heard the three songs I wanted him I wanted to hear him sing as Edward I was like I didn't need to see it on stage I was like it would have been nice but it wasn't necessary (laughs) like I was like (laughs) but honest to god though 10 out of 10 recommend Brendan Hunt as Edward (laughs) pretty moment without having seen it he just he sang those songs well and Jillian Muller she was amazing she's such a good she was she was good Samantha Barks too so I love both of them. I love, I just, I love Pretty Woman. I don't care. I love it. I think it's fun. Ugh, I love it. But I also can't the say the same. I also grew up watching the movie with my mom. So like getting to see it with my mom, I think added to it. And I think that's part of the reason why I love it so much. But Fair. I thought the songs were boring. I felt half of the songs <gasps> felt unfinished. Um <laughs> And uh, I didn't even see Andy Carl in the, the role. I saw Adam Pascal. <laughs> and I'm so jealous. Literally, you were texting me and you were like, should I see? I don't even remember what the other options were. It was were. between like King Kong and Pretty Woman and the yeah, Share Show. Yeah, because you were like, should I try and see King Kong again? Because it was after like the whole no. mishap. This was, this was before. This was in January. And then the That's mishap happened it. in July. That's right. So you were like, should I try for King Kong or Pretty Woman or Share Show? And I was like, well... Adam Pascal's in Pretty Woman right now, and I was like, and how often are you going to get a chance to see Adam Pascal in a one-week run of a Broadway show? I've seen Adam Pascal far too many times. Well, yeah, but, like, that was the thing, because whenever I said that, you were like, oh, I love Adam Pascal, and I was like, oh, just continue to murder my soul, because I am jealous. I've seen Adam Pascal so many times. I saw him in this Red Tour. I saw him in Disaster, and I saw him twice as Shakespeare in Something Rotten on tour. I've seen Adam Pascal... I've seen Adam Pascal so many times. I and was now supposed I've seen to see something woman. rotten for one of my birthdays. My sister was going to take me. And then something like that's another like, show that slept on. Something rotten. It is. Like the Broadway I, I community loves it. it. Yeah. The Broadway community loves it. But mm, anyway. Um, but I was supposed to see it because the tour fell on my birthday. Like the tour <gasps> that was coming to like Cincinnati or Louisville fell on my birthday. And so my sister was like, oh my God, yeah, let's freaking go. Is Cincinnati close to you? Like, yeah, 45 minutes. 
interesting yeah so um like you traveling out of (laughs) the idea of traveling out of state to see a show and then like coming back home I'm like trying to put it into perspective because the west coast is not the same (laughs) nope nope because you go one way you're in the desert you go one way you're in the ocean (laughs) yeah California is a big state I literally though I was so upset because we were gonna see I was in a movie theater I vividly remember this I was at the movies seeing something I can't I think it was actually when I was seeing um she not she loves me in theaters I don't I don't remember what it was I was seeing something in theaters and I got like a notification on Twitter or something or someone saying that like the something rotten tour was coming to Cincinnati whatever and then it was like happened to fall on my birthday when it was going to be there and I told my sister because we figured out like we could get tickets for like $50 a piece and like not bad seats either and she was like okay yeah let's do it and then something happened and that never happened but then we ended up she paid for our tickets to see company at Barrington stage and so it made up for it I wasn't mad about it like I was like I'm fine with this it's a good exchange (laughs) because that was a Ooh, that production means a lot to me. That was, oh girl, yeah, that hit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something Rotten is another one that slept on. Yes, I think Broadway Broadway fans love it, but then people just like forgot about it. My cousin, which I get, but my cousins at their dance recital, I guess, is last year or the year before they did um, a routine from like to something rotten I can't remember what song it was but my if I remember correctly my cousin was like Shakespeare in the production and it was, was it so, hard like, to be the barn? little sister was it which one was it hard to be the barn I feel like that one would be a nice like dance song I think so but I can't remember but then it was funny because like his little sister <laughs> had to be one of the girls in the number and it was so funny because she hated it she's like I hate having to be like excited to see him and I was like, what? that's called acting honey right I was like you need to be a good actress and she was like I don't like it I was like okay <laughs> it made me laugh so hard oh my gosh uh. all right well let's wrap this mother up so, Jill, where can people find us? On Instagram and TikTok, we are at Thoughts Shared Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Thoughts Shared underscore. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. If you want to find me individually, I am on Instagram at Complete Katie. I am not on Twitter because Twitter makes me anxious, but I am on I'm TikTok. I'm about to pull myself off Twitter because... <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm also on TikTok at Katiefornia, which is California, but without the Cala, it's Katie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm at It's Jill Hayes on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Yeah. Facebook? Everywhere. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. All I'm, right. Literally, I'm going into a career of social media. I have to have Facebook, too. That's true. Um, but yeah, if you guys would like, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We like making it. We have fun, fun little conversations. Uh, but yeah, until next time, goodbye. Bye.